Welcome to the Trinity Baptist Church podcast with Senior Pastor Matt Homeyer. For more information about our church and to keep up to date with the latest resources, visit our website at trinitybaptist.org. Enjoy the podcast. for filling in uh, when leading us today in worship while Jacob and Sarah have a, a good, much-deserved vacation rest. We are blessed with an abundance of talent in so many ways, but uh, none more than in our worship leadership and the number of people we have to step in and lead and sing, and we are very thankful for each and every one of them. Let me pray for us today as we begin. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for this time of year, although we would not know it by the heat, God, we transition between seasons. We've had great opportunities to worship, to serve, to celebrate, to minister, to disciple this summer. And we stand in this time, kind of between times, looking for the fall in a new semester of ministry, ending one series, beginning another, God. And it's in the in-between times when you often do some of your best work. Speak to us today as we have need, God. In your name we pray, amen. This is the final sermon in this series we've been in this summer called Poured Out, where, again, I know you're getting tired of it. Last time you have to hear me say a couple of these things. Where we're tracing the Spirit's movement in Acts, where we started with Pentecost. We're today going to look at the very last two verses and really the last few words of Acts and examine those together, where we've been tracing the Holy Spirit's coming into creation and and the Holy Spirit's movement throughout creation that we can learn from uh, today. Today, as I said, we look at the last words of Acts that we're going to jump into here in just a second. For a little bit of context, we're jumping, you know, several chapters, 12 chapters or so from last week to this week. Paul has had this incredible ministry about which we know much through other sermons, other Bible studies, your own reading of Scripture. And as we come to the end, Paul has been arrested and appealed to Caesar in order to get to Rome. Because of his Roman citizenship, he had the right to do so, to appeal his case to Caesar. And so through many adventures, he comes to Rome and is in house arrest. And so he was given the opportunity to rent a house at his own expense, as the text will say today, and was there for two years, but he was on house arrest. He didn't have a little you know, ankle monitor on or anything, but he could not leave. He had to be there at the house and certainly there in Rome. And that's where we come today. And it's while in this house, on house arrest, Luke writes the final words about Paul in Acts. And Luke says this in in 28, 30, and 31. He lived there two years at his own expense. Little interesting detail thrown in there. Two years at his own expense. He welcomed all who came to him, which is a wonderful statement. What it's also saying is he couldn't go to anybody. 
He welcomed all who came to him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God or proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. That's really the words, the phrase, the line I wanna talk about and focus in on today. Isn't it a good line? I mean, it's a good line. Luke had a flair for good lines. Luke how knew how to end this two-part book he had written of Luke and Acts with all boldness and without hindrance. I mean, it'd make a fantastic vision statement for a church or a tattoo, you know, depending on kind of your tendencies there. If anyone does go get a tattoo, please send me a picture. I'd love to see it. You know, it's a phrase you could tape to your bathroom mirror and look at every morning as motivation to live faithfully for the day with all boldness and without hindrance. I mean, in many ways, this could be the motto for the Spirit's work in Acts. Doesn't it wrap up all that we've talked about in Acts rather neatly, rather nicely? The Holy Spirit and the disciples of Jesus who follow and, and live with all boldness and the spirit moves without hindrance. I mean, just as a quick recap, some of you are visiting today, some of you forgotten some of what we've talked about. I know I have that tendency from time to time. Once a sermon's done, I'm on to the next one. This, this story began at Pentecost and Jesus had ascended into heaven and told them there was a promise of something to come. And we talked about how there was probably so little chance they actually expected the fullness of Jesus to come. And yet as they were gathered in a room together, they heard the wind like a hurricane coming down on them. And they looked up and, and tongues of fire came and rested on them. And the Holy Spirit in an instant was poured out onto them and to all of creation. And what they began to see immediately and then I think surprisingly to them, it continued and didn't abate, is that the full power of Jesus was now available through this Holy Spirit that invaded their life, that, that came to live with inside them, live inside them and work through them. These disciples found themselves stumbling, bumbling disciples not so long before this, largely missing the point of Jesus' ministry, now they found themselves doing the exact same things Jesus did with the same power with which Jesus did them because the power of the living God had invaded their life. There's virtually nothing other than Jesus' resurrection that Jesus does in the Gospels that you don't find disciples doing in Acts. And more than just the power that the, the Holy Spirit comes, remember our kind of main two points we've been on over and over and over, I won't ask you to recite them, but the gospel, the Holy Spirit comes and is immediately powerful beyond reckoning and on the move. It's out in front of these disciples, leading them onward. And it is beyond human control and working in surprising ways. The Holy Spirit is out front working in ways they didn't think God could work and inviting them to join in this new thing God is doing. And so an Ethiopian eunuch is brought into the kingdom. 
and a Roman centurion and his whole family is brought near to God and Peter's mind is changed. A persecutor of the church becomes the chief missionary of the church in a moment, which we will talk some about together. The gospel doesn't just hover around Jerusalem and the place where God dwelled in the temple. Now God dwells in creation. And so the Holy Spirit propels his people outward, outward, ever outward into new areas areas of the world where they share the gospel. The Holy Spirit is at work in powerful ways then and with the same power today. My takeaway from this series, among others, is to be renewed in the fact that there will never be a place I place my foot. There will never be a person I encounter that the Holy Spirit doesn't precede me there or in whom the Holy Spirit is not working. My whole job in this life is to watch and to listen for the Holy Spirit's movement and to do my dead level best to keep up with where the Spirit is already at work in the world. You know, there are narratives that shape our life. Some might say in some academic disciplines that there is generally one story we build our lives around. And, and in some ways, we have the chance to choose it. In other ways, it's somewhat chosen for us. It's often something we don't realize. They would call this kind of our, our meta-narrative that we live under and live our lives according to. I do believe we all build our lives around certain stories certain narratives, some are kind of big meta-narratives, archetypes we live into. I mean, who of you who, who claim to be Texan have traveled outside of Texas and you're so much more Texan than you ever are here? Do you ever do that? I mean, you talk a little slower. <laughs> you talk about how big, the, you know, you, you just, you become more of the archetype the further you are away from it. We, we live into this in some ways. Some are, some are small stories, maybe something very small or, or momentary that happened in childhood or, or someone told you, maybe it's positive, maybe it's negative. And that one instance has an outsized, outproportioned influence on your lives. Some are stories we want to believe about ourselves. We want to live into this and become this. Some are lies we tell ourselves. But we all have input coming into our lives, stories coming into our lives that shape how we live and how we think and, and how we act and, and who we are and, and taken as a toll or a whole over the years, it, it is shaping us. An interesting question, what is feeding you? What is nourishing you? What, what are the stories you buy into that, that you allow to shape your life, to shape how you think, how you live, how you act, how you speak? I asked a couple weeks back, I think three weeks ago in a sermon, what do you think is possible in the world? And we discussed what we thought was possible and how we determine what is possible. And, and what we think is possible is mostly determined by what is nourishing our life, by what narratives we allow to shape us. But y'all, we know this. If we're not careful, there is a narrative out there, a story out there that will convince us 
that everything is basically negative all around us. Have you given into this story from time to time? That everything is bad and falling apart. There's a narrative out there that will lead us, church, to mistrust one another. The narrative out there that the world is in a continual downward slide, the narrative that will give us plenty of other people out there, rarely internal, but out there to blame. You know, it's this party or it's that party. This is as old as time. The young folks blame the older folks for giving them a world that doesn't work as they want it to. And the old folks will blame the younger folks for not adhering to their traditions and institutions. It's so easy to be divided. It's so easy to believe our best days are behind us, that obstacles are insurmountable. And every day, our world and our lives provides plenty of fodder to believe this narrative. It's easy to give into it, become people our healthier selves wouldn't recognize, people in whom the fruits of the Spirit are not present. And you know, when we give into that narrative, of negativity, of pessimism, of distrust. It's easy to look at these texts like Paul, where he says, Luke writes of him, he shared the gospel with all boldness and without hindrance. And it seems like Paul is like some otherworldly figure. We elevate him to spiritual superhero status. Like surely Paul must be other than us, different than us, have differing skills, different resources available, be on a different plane emotionally, intelligently, or uh, intellectually, obviously, that's good. Anyway, uh, spiritually than us. We think differently about this. To put Paul in a separate, separate category. I mean, Have you ever shared the gospel with complete boldness and without any hindrance? I mean, I'll confess, I don't think I have without any fear that you were intruding on someone else's life, without any sense of the foolishness of this message, which is attested to in the gospel, without any fear of being pushier, whether it was the right time or the right way to do so. Again, I confess, I haven't left to my own devices. Y'all, I can see hindrances everywhere. Sometimes it's a supernatural gift I feel like I have for sizing up a situation quickly and then spotting nothing but the problems. Ask Mark Barr. I do it all the time in our meetings together. I mean, whenever I preach or teach or share the gospel with someone, there's always a bit of fear always a little anxiety and trepidation, always a small sense of the foolishness of the gospel and the knowledge that many will reject it out of hand. We're plagued by what ifs. Yet, here is Luke writing about Paul, shared the gospel with all boldness and without hindrance. I submit Paul is no superhero. What matters for Paul is the narrative he's adopted, the story he's allowed to fuel his life and determine what is possible. Paul has been transformed by a different story. This is the story we've been tracing in Acts, the story we've tried to 
kind of imbue into our DNA and our heart to form in our own thoughts and feelings and actions of what is possible in the world, this movement of the Spirit, Paul met Jesus, or more accurately, Jesus met Paul and stopped him in his tracks. And ever since that moment, Paul names reality according to what is possible through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the salvation offered in Jesus, through the the power of an all-powerful, loving God. He names reality, names what is possible according to the rules of the story where the Holy Spirit is poured out into creation and is on the move and in surprising ways. These dictate the narrative of Paul. They dictate the choices of Paul. You know, there's different ways to view Paul's life if we're going to choose the narrative of how to view them. It's fairly clearly stated, Paul's, one of his goals was to get to Rome and get the gospel to Rome. Rome, all roads led to Rome. All roads led from Rome. It was the heartbeat of civilization. If you could get the gospel in Rome, the gospel had a chance to go everywhere. So Paul wanted to get to the center of things. He wanted to get to Rome. Beyond that, he talked of wanting to get to Spain as as far west as you could take the gospel, as far out in the empire as you could take the gospel. He wanted to go there. He talks throughout his letters of his desire to go back and visit the churches that he had started and encourage them and teach them and to start new churches. He had ambition. He had plans. He had vision. But instead of those things, Paul is thrown into prison. Other than imprisonment, Paul suffered greatly. He speaks of it in 2 Corinthians 11. He says here in verse 23, I faced countless beatings, often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers. It's like an awful Dr. Seuss novel. Novel, isn't it? In toil, in hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, without food, in cold and exposure. This is the story of Paul. Paul saw the, inco- the inside of every type of Roman jail. He saw city jails with, with shackles and handcuffs and bars. He saw Roman compound in Caesarea where he could had freedom of the compound but could not leave. He, found, he saw the inside of house arrest for two years in Rome. House arrest in Rome. As he ends, nears the end of his life, the only way he finally gets to Rome is as a prisoner, forced to appeal because of his Roman citizenship, his case to Caesar. Thwarted defeated in his every ambition, destined never to visit any of the churches he started again, reduced to house arrest at his own expense, reduced only to receiving the people that would deign to come to him. There is a very, very compelling narrative that says Paul was a failure, checked in every ambition, failed in his goals, soon to be executed by the state. 
a compelling narrative that would say Luke's words of sharing the gospel with all boldness and without hindrance are nonsense. Paul's story is a litany of hindrance. Read all of that again. It's hindrance after hindrance piled upon hindrance. Yet, Paul lived according to a different story. According to what is possible through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the saving grace of Jesus at work in the world. What is possible when we can see and hear clearly the Spirit's movement in the world and dare to follow. When Paul was thrown into prison, prison guards came to meet Jesus. He knew the Holy Spirit was powerful and on the move, that the Holy Spirit was beyond his control, likely to move in surprising ways. So he followed no matter what. He persevered through obstacles and saw hindrances transformed into divine opportunities. Y'all, when Paul was thrown into prison, prison guards came to know Jesus. When Paul was shipwrecked, he washed up on islands and began starting churches there until he was rescued. His own people hated him and argued with him and persecuted him. And yet every time he argued with them, a few of them left believing Jesus was the Messiah. When he was imprisoned, he, he couldn't visit all of the people he wanted to visit, so he began writing letters or dictating letters because it's possible his eyesight was so bad he couldn't do so himself. And he began writing letters, giving churches for 2,000 years a gift of inestimable, inestimable value, gifts we're still learning from today. He gifted us over half the New Testament. Because the Holy Spirit was at work, obstacles became opportunities. Hindrances became gifts. I mean, even though he is in prison, even though his health is failing, even though he's soon to be executed, Luke can write with, without irony and in all seriousness in absolute Holy Spirit truth that Paul shared the gospel with all boldness and without hindrance down to the very end. Friends, as we wrap up this series today, I pray our journey of tracing the Holy Spirit's movement in Acts has infected your life with a sense of what is possible in the world when we watch and when we listen for the Spirit's movement and are bold enough to follow. I mean, it is the story of Jesus. It is the story of the coming of the Holy Spirit, the story of an all-powerful, all-loving God. That is the story that should feed and nourish our lives, the story which should determine what is possible in this world when God's people come together and live for Jesus in the world. It is our relationship with this God through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus that should carry us through our days, determining what is possible, infusing every interaction with holy possibility. The Holy Spirit 
has been poured out into creation, into your lives, into your homes, into your workplaces, into the places where you work out and where you have fun and where you play. Everywhere you ever go, the Holy Spirit has been poured out and is at work in that place and work in the people who inhabit that place. The Holy Spirit is powerful beyond reckoning and on the move. The Holy Spirit is beyond our control, working in surprising ways. Hear this very well. The Holy Spirit is inviting you to join in on the fun of serving in the kingdom of God, to join the work that God is doing in this world. Your job is to listen and to watch and to attune your soul and your mind to spot when and where God is on the move and to join the Holy Spirit in that place. May we be bold enough to join. Let me pray for us. God, your spirit has been at work in this church for a long time. Your spirit has been at the work in this church these last few weeks as we've discerned together, discussed together your spirit's leading. Every week, God, you were speaking in new dynamic ways to your people, inspiring new ideas for ministry, inspiring recommitment to your gospel, inspiring in any number of ways, acts of generosity and charity, bold witness in the world, care for others. We ask God, for we know you are faithful to not stop speaking, to make the ways of your work clear to us and the invitation strong so that we might hear and might join. In your name we pray, amen. We hope you enjoyed your segment of the Trinity Baptist Church podcast with senior pastor Matt Homeyer. Join us next week for another segment. For more information about our church and to keep up to date with the latest resources, visit our website at trinitybaptist.org.